when that occurred, I was really great at reflecting, being disappointed, but reflecting with a purpose and then saying, right, pick yourself up again, let's go. Okay, welcome or welcome back to the Map Life Podcast. I am Simon Williams, the founder of Motivation and Performance Partners. And the reason I started this podcast was to take a trip into the treasure chest of high performers to discover the strategies that they used to achieve their greatness. Not only that, I'm also interested to know how they were able to transition through the Valley of Shadows and overcome changes and challenges in their lives and how they stay on top of their own mental health and wellness in order to live their most inspired life. Now, I think it's imperative that each conversation will offer you tools to take away, to implement in your own life, in order to improve and to place you on the path to a more purposeful, meaningful and fulfilling existence. Now, as something to say thank you to you all for tuning in, I've curated some sponsors who will be offering you discounts as the season rolls on. These sponsors have also offered up some product for me to put into a prize pack for you to win. Pretty simple, really. Subscribe and review the Map Life podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as we're now on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else they are. And also follow Map Life, that's M A P underscore L I F E, on Instagram, as well as all of our sponsors. Now, I'm so stoked that this podcast has been resonating so loudly with you all, and I'm able to bring these prizes to you. So show our sponsors some love on their Instagram accounts as well, or better yet, use the discount codes. And I promise you that all these products that I've brought on board as sponsors are products that I use and I believe in to increase quality of mindset, performance, and mental health. Hybration Organics are an independent Aussie company. They are inspiring a community with their ethos and products. They are awesome. All ethically sourced chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, cacao, and maca from sustainable organic micro farms, meaning small batch, which also means their quality is unbeatable. Now, if you don't know the health benefits of some of these things, let me inform you right now. It's unbelievable. Chaga, the immune system support, it fights inflammation slows down the aging process, lion's mane, nerve repair in the brain, can reduce mild anxiety and depressive symptoms, cordyceps can boost exercise performance, anti-aging, heart health, and maca, increased libido, energy, endurance, mood, helps fight free radicals, and all these shrooms are anti-cancer. Now to get your hands on some of these epic goodies, the legends over at Hybration Organics have given you, the MapLife family, a whopping 25% off your first order. So head on over to the Hybration Organics website. That's H-I-G-H-B-R-A-T-I-O-N Organics. That's H-I-G-H-B-R-A-T-I-O-N Organics.com.au and use the code MAPLIFE25. That's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E 25 at checkout. And let's let the good times keep on rolling. Okay, guys and girls, on today's cast, we have one of my oldest friends, former Australian opening batsman and one of the most prolific run scorers in domestic cricket history. Now, founder of the first compostable coffee pod company, Tripod Coffee, father, husband, and all-around good man, Ed Cowan. Now, Ed and I go a long way back 
and he and I had a special bond when we were batting together. Uh, that I haven't really heard of many other batting partnerships have. So we never used to call runs, ever. We trusted that the other one had our back and completely in their ability. And nothing has changed. And in today's cast, Ed lets us in on what it was like to perform at the highest level. He opens up about the dark periods in the Valley of Shadows and what tools he used to get out of that and rediscover the courage to climb. Now, I can't remember who introduced who to the power of diarising or journaling, but we discussed the importance and the red flags, and he gives us his premium tips for performance. There's not too many humans I know whose insights are greater, so sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the great man, Eddie Cowan. First and foremost, mate, I just wanted to check in and say hi, but also um, just see what you've been up to of late. Simon, thanks for, for having me, mate. This is, this is a treat for, for many listeners. They probably don't know we've known each other for, I don't know, almost 20 years. And you of all people uh, know what makes me tick. So hopefully you can you can uncover some secret sauce in there somewhere. But uh, what's been keeping me busy? Oh, lots of different levers in my life, mate. Um, first and foremost, family. Gorgeous little girl and a and a loving wife to give lots of energy to, but uh, work for an investment company called TDM Growth Partners, who are probably Australia's most successful investment company of the last 15 years. Uh, run a little side hustle called Tripod Coffee, which um, started, sorry, started as a side hustle. It's now growing and, and becoming a significant business, but we sell compostable um, Nespresso-compatible coffee capsules. Um, I'm on the board of Cricket New South Wales and there's a lot of work to do there in, in making sure that cricket's strong and, and healthy um, as a game that we all love and, and can enjoy. You know, trying to find some, some space for myself just to, to make sure that my own mind's in a good place and, and, and fit and strong. So what are those things that you're doing on a personal level to keep your mind fit and strong? Yeah, well, part, part of it for me is to keep it moving. So I've always had these different, um, I guess, inputs into my life. And having just explained, there are probably four of them. To have those sort of, I like to think of my life as a bit of a stovetop and that there's one kind of gas burner coming into to that stovetop. And at different times, uh, you got to redirect energy to, to different burners, I guess. But just having those burner, burners alight really gives me great energy. So, that, I mean, that's keeping busy is one thing. Exercise is a massive trigger for me. If I, if I don't get to exercise, um, I, I'm not at my best, both physically and emotionally and, and mentally. Uh, and, and part of that exercise routine, I guess, is is finding some, some solitude. So whether that's whether that's going for a run and, uh, and I find I'm uh, probably most creative when I'm, when I'm exercising, but not at a intensity that is, is kind of ensuring that your, your mind is, is concentrating on pain rather than something else. Uh, and actually, I actually, I love golf for that reason. I obviously love the sport, but it feels like a, a moment of meditation for me. So, you know, I've, I find other, other ways of, of, tapping into that as well 
Yeah, and you mentioned obviously the solitude and the mindfulness that comes from, you know, doing things like running and and golf. Um, in terms of your, in terms of your own mental health, and as I said, we're talking about positive mental health here. Um, are there things that you incorporate on the regular, whether it be daily, weekly, that that really complement um, that stovetop? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of people would say that their early morning meditation routine is the most important moment of their day, and I, I have always found that it is nice. But I, I probably haven't been as strong in the routine as as I have needed to be. I find I find that exercise is my greatest source of of, of personal solitude and, and happiness. Just it's been uh, such a big part of my life for, for so long. Um, I've found ways of, of making it not only physical, uh, physically beneficial, but really being able to, to use those, you know, moments just to be by myself and, and to be reflective. Having that singular focus with no distraction and I'm not there to talk to anyone. I'm not there to be seen or it's, it's purely for my own benefit um and there, there's just so little time in my day that I get to spend by myself solely with no distraction that's it and and it gets the added benefit of, of the endorphin uh, kick as well your intention it sounds like with your morning routine is solitude reflection priming yourself ready for the day so that you can greet that stovetop with as much focus and attention as you can yeah I think that's right I think like even just being reflective about it it probably sounds weird to be able to get into that state but if, if I'm thinking about it and, and you'd understand this more than anyone it's very con- congruous with my previous life as a cricketer because batting when it's done well is very meditative so it, it's not it's not meditation in, in any form but it can become that because it, it is singular focus at any one moment in time and so I, th- I guess I've made that sort of same mentality a bit more malleable into a into a routine that kind of fits the the modern day working life 100 percent. and you touched on the congruence or uh, and I think that you're talking about is the alignment and you're getting yourself primed in the morning and just like batting was it was like when you were on everything was aligned that, that was that inflow state you mm. know, so the mind the heart the soul completely aligned with what you were doing and then it just connected to that that greater source of energy which is that flow state the other thing to note is well, there's a lot of times in your life or in sport when you're not in that flow state but it's 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 also learning not to fight it and just actually enjoying that moment of solitude for what it is i, I know you know sometimes when you meditate or if you're at the gym you can't necessarily get into that same place that you're in the day before and that can in a sense make people anxious and and fight it further we're actually just understanding that every day is different and they'll present different challenges and as long as you can give your attention to that moment then you you know it's as good as being completely and deeply you know in that flow we look back at our past in terms of uh, when we're in flow, when we're out of flow, whether it being on the athletic field, whether it be in business, whether it be within the family, whatever stovetop you're cooking on, 
Do you have anything that you use to get yourself back in flow? Like obviously you don't fight it and you let it get itself back on track or are there things that you can actively choose to do that may help some of the audience, you know, move from, you know, where they are to where they want to be? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think it, it comes from, from practice, but the same thing of being able to ignore when something comes into your mind that is a distraction to your current attention to register it and let it float by rather than actually, and it takes some training. And again, my, my training came in, in the, in the form of, of batting. But if you're focused on batting and at the point of release, you start thinking about what's for dinner, you, you get in a, a very awkward situation. So even before that, you know, obviously when in between balls, you switch on and switch off. And if you're switching off, but you're letting your someone seep into that force field that you have around you, you know, someone's having a chirp at you or sledging or under the helmet. I know <laughs> when we first met, we had a little go at that. But if you're letting certain people or certain things come into that state of mind, hmm. then like you said, that's when you're going to be distracted. You're going to cling on to that distraction. You're going to be out of alignment or you're going to be misaligned. Yeah, that's right. You just got to let it float past. Or, but I still think it's important to acknowledge that moment. So, in terms, of, you know, the the force field metaphor, they might be able to prick it, but that the needle then comes back out. It's not still in there, and the bubble's deflating. It's just, it's 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 flexible enough to just recognize it and then keep moving. And and the people that get bogged down or or let that needle stay in the bubble, then your your bubble obviously deflates pretty quickly. I've thought about this a lot, but the whole cognitive flexibility is 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 really a deep subject that really interested me when I was trying to master you know the back end of my career where I felt like I was after really tiny incremental gains it was those moments of being able to know and trust your routine but if anything disrupted it it was okay and have that cognitive flexibility to, to acknowledge that it was okay and then just keep going and, and usually you work your way back into that routine naturally, almost like a body kind of realigning itself. And did you find as your career went on, I mean, we're going to touch on those incremental gains, but as your career went on that you had to focus more on a systemic approach or was it more that you got a little bit and I wouldn't say looser, but you were allowed to just flow with it a little bit more. Very much the latter. And, uh, you know, you would have seen me in my early career. And, and this is important to, to build those foundation blocks to understand what makes you tick. I was very rigid in my preparation, very rigid in my mentality, uh, knowing that on, on average that would make me a very high-performing and consistent achiever. Um, and so that involved a diary that I would read before every time I batted that would involve detailed notes of the opponent that would involve how I'm feeling, you know, like to the nth degree. But, and as I said, that was a really important foundation and, and foundational blocks for me to learn about myself and my own mindset about what worked. Interestingly, mastery came when I actually let those slip, when I actually like realize that that was important but what was more important was actually being completely flexible in the moment and dealing with the problem that was coming at that point in time so 
yes, I, I, I've worked how to be good and consistent, but to actually re- deeply master a skill, it actually, I had to almost retrain myself and unwind all this thinking yes. in a sense. It felt like batting was about problem solving. And every day, when, when you realize that every day was different, every, t- every day was against a different bowler on a different pitch, every day you were feeling different, your preparation being different, just to actually acknowledge that and say, right, I'll solve the problem right now. What, what needs to be done in this moment? And while, you know, you could do that with your set routine, if anything externally disrupted that, it would throw you off. And so that was probably me for the first 10 years. And the last five years was I actually ended up throwing the diary. I used to carry it everywhere and read it the whole time. I actually, you know, tucked it away in storage and, and didn't look at it. And it just gave me this incredible freedom to express myself. And, and those last couple of years were probably the best because of it. You touched on the ability to to focus I was speaking to Tom Carroll the other day on the podcast and we were discussing that every wave is different, just like every ball is different when you're batting. And I think sport in itself is when you're at your best, you are the most present you can be. You're not thinking of the future. You're not thinking of the past. When you're in flow, that presence is there. And I think that's a real lesson for anyone who's trying to high perform. Ian Thorpe said it best. He says, I just go out there at competition and let my body do what I've trained it to do. I don't think too much about it. And I think taking away a lot of that thinking, which is what you're talking about, the journaling, the reflection, the stats, the pressure, the distraction, I guess, from that present moment. But what I think is also important that you stated is that you've got to have a process in order to trust it. You can't have B without having A, and the oddity being is to master it. you actually got to let go of A. I was thinking about mastery the other day and I, and I came to a conclusion that I believe mastery is knowing and I'll use the matrix as an example that the um, movie. Yeah. And yeah, not, thought, <laughs> not the I theory. Thought you were, I thought you'd come up with your own matrix as in on an X and Y axis and you were going to fill in the blanks. The movie, but, but no pop culture. Yeah. Pop culture Morpheus as an example of mastery. He just knows, he knows what's coming when it's coming Basically, you can watch a master at work, but when you watch the Neo character early on or any budding human being or someone who's training, when you're always working on that process, on that foundation, and then, as you said, there comes a point when mastery occurs like you did when you let go of A to become B. But you can't let go of A until you've... Until you've earned the right to let go of it without that foundation. Yeah. You can you can be on that journey, but until you have grooved enough, it's hard. I, I, I don't know if, if, if that's possible. I do agree with you. you. Your comment around mastery is knowing. And, and, and maybe, you know, to liken it to a, a cricket metaphor, if you, if you listen to Ricky Ponting commentate, the amount of times that he predicts what is about to happen, he's, he's seen it before. On the balance of probabilities, he knows how this is going to play out. And that's the same as mastering with batting when you you know between the psychology of the bowler, you, you can almost see it coming and you're, and you're two steps ahead. Okay, if you, like me, froth on board sports, you must get yourself a board rack's board rack. Whether it's snow, surf, skate, sup, whatever you like to ride sideways, if it's a board, board rack's has a rack for it. They even custom fit racks to your house, your garage, your room, whatever. 
he is very accustomed to making custom board racks. Now, I've had Matt fit me a floor to ceiling, a freestanding, all kinds of racks for all kinds of boards, and I've always been stoked with the product. It is completely and utterly just top of the range, top of the market, and I'm so stoked to be able to bring that to you guys, the Map Life family. So if you'd love to get your hands on one of these board racks, just head on over to www.boardracks, that's B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X.com.au. And if you put in the code MAPLIFE at checkout, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, Matty will sort you with 10% off and he'll get that out to you ASAP. So that again is www.boardracks, B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X.com.au. Just taking it back quickly because I know how important this was and I wonder whether it still is journaling and using the mm-hmm. diary. Do you still do that on a regular basis now with business or is it something you've put in the bag, in the cricket bag? Yeah, I don't. I sure, like, uh, it's probably, uh, I'd like to think uh, it's a bit of a regret. I don't, I don't like the word regret, but it's something I, I would like to do more. It's something I don't really do, whether it's time constraints or... Maybe it makes me feel like I've used up my my capacity of of trying to push for the nth performance, and I'm I'm kind of comfortable in the zone of of just you know d- doing well without absolute pure mastery of the skills that I'm I'm trying to do at the moment. I don't know. I actually think about this a lot. Am I am I have I exhausted the tank of high performance in my life? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Or maybe I'm just transferring the skills naturally across from what I've learned. And, and you know, my my A compartment is, is done and I'm kind of applying it to my now my C compartment in a, in a different way. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I actually think about this quite a bit. Um, so the diary was a massive... The biggest advice I could ever give to any whether it's a budding sportsman, musician, actor, anyone who is in performance and there needs to be a certain level of pressure that is required to perform, a diary would be the greatest tool that you could bring into your life if you don't have it already um, because it creates that, not only that, that, that physical record, but it, it really enables that, that self-reflection, that if you're looking for any kind of incremental performance and consistency in your performance, then you have to have that record and you have to be reflecting on a daily basis about what has just happened and really owning that that person in the mirror that you, that's looking back at you. Um, that's not to say you can't apply that to your daily life, but you know when we're talking about high performance in the nth degree, there, there needs to be some performance element Again, I agree with you. I think the positives of a diary or a journal on the daily or on the regular is that accountability. It's, it is for reflection. It gives you supremely deep understanding of you and your surroundings and your craft. It gives you structure and it allows you to look at your form, whether you're in it and when you're out of it. And obviously, if you're out of it, what to do in order to get back in it. We touched on that before in terms of being not in flow. And, you know, you mentioned trust the process, trust your foundation, be cognitively flexible. Did you find that there was any negatives that came out of journaling or using the diary as often as you did? Another good question. Uh, I was I became aware of this because it became a little bit, it, it, sorry, it had the potential 
to become a bit of a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy in a sense that if you were diarising that you weren't doing well and reflecting on, on, on not doing well and why you weren't doing well and, and how you could potentially improve, it kind of started, it could, had the, it did have the potential and they were probably, I caught myself maybe in 15 years, probably twice this happened and one, I was deep into diarising because I was actually recording my season as a book. And so I was not just taking notes. I was actually deeply reflecting and trying to make it interesting for an external reader. And so that next, when I unpeeled that second layer of trying to uncover myself, it actually got quite dark. And Mm. as I said, it kind of started snowballing in on itself um, to the point of exacerbating the darkness. Well, one of my, my mental strengths was to be able to, if I had a failure and as you know, opening the batting you have you know 30 failures a year and four good days on average so you, you learn to deal with failure pretty well when that occurred I was really great at reflecting being disappointed but reflecting with a purpose and then saying right pick yourself up again let's go and the next day that you know next day you'd turn up and and go again and so you you naturally your highs weren't that high your lows weren't that low and you were kind of in this steady increase, you know, a, a slow, gradual incline of, of improvement. You weren't, you weren't spiking and you weren't troughing. But I did find the deeper I diarised, so it is something to be wary of. I didn't get the, the peaks because it wasn't kind of in my nature, but I, did, I would say my troughs got a little lower how I sort of overcame that like I, I sort of caught myself a few times and just shelved the diary for a week freshened up and kind of committed to to still doing the process but not un, not peeling the onion back at one more layer I guess that was causing the tears yeah and I mean that was what I was going to ask do you think that it's important to simply be factual or mm. be factual and emotional I think it's important to capture that emotion uh, and you know there are plenty of, but understanding what that what the purpose of, of that emotion is. If it, I think it can serve two great purposes, one is to get it out of your system. I think pent up emotion is a very dangerous and combustible force. And secondly, to use that emotion for motivation. And so, it's nice to know that it means something. And so that can be a, a big motivating factor. But I think if you're getting emotional and more deeply emotional without being able to drag yourself out of it. That's, that's probably a bit of a red flag, I reckon. Yeah. When the emotions compound on themselves, like you said, it takes a lot more strength, effort, motivation, everything that you're good at to get out of that hole. A really cool technique that I heard from a a American swimmer called Missy Franklin. Every time that she did something well, it was almost like a, a gratitude jar or a well done jar. She used to write it down, put it in the jar, write it down, put it in the jar. Every time something went well at training or something went well in her life and just before a meet, because obviously uh, the meets they have aren't as, aren't as frequent as we would do on the weekends or how often you play a game of sport. The night before, she would take that jar and just read everything that was in the jar to prime her mind about all the great things she'd achieved. So that, as you said, whether she was in a great neutral space well, before reading or in a, in a bit of a lower space, like she's even said that one time her, the training she had before one of her gold medals was, was one of the worst she had. But she went to her jar and lifted herself out of that space. So let me know if, if you've got an example 
of when that might have happened and how did it affect your state of play in the arena? Well, when I was in the full negative spiral, it happened a little bit. It didn't, as I said, I felt like I was pretty good at, at catching myself. But when you do find yourself in that place, it's a very, very depressing place because in sport, there's nowhere to hide. You, you, don't, you don't call in sick and say, well, you know, actually, now you, you probably can. You can put your hand up and and say, mentally, oh, I'm, I'm not there, but, you know, back in the day that wasn't really a thing and so all these fears of just failure would just completely rid your body and make them rigid and you'd try harder and you had to go face you know there was no escape and in 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 sport there's once you're out there it's assumed that you're in and you might be in physically but if you're not in mentally um you know hope and, and then you know inev- inevitably that leads to another failure and the merry-go-round goes again yeah 90% of the game in the head Steve War and more I reckon so it, it, it gets pretty pointy so it's a skill worth trying to master and th- that was actually going to be one of the questions the differences in the levels of performance that you've gone through grade first class international so in terms of the mental performance are there any things that you held on to and used all the way through that you found to be very beneficial in terms of your mindset work? For yeah, sure. Well, I touched on the diary, and I think the other thing that became more important was just being able to tap into my my routine. And, and by routine, I don't mean morning routine. I mean every single ball. And, you know, for those that do watch their cricket, you see Steve Smith fidget. That is not nervousness. That is part of his routine that he performs every single ball to make sure that he's primed for then rising to the occasion of that contest. And so the importance of that and what does that do? Well, first of all, it gives you a security blanket. It's something that's known. It's something that you can control, um, you know, and, and these are all pretty common traits of, of elite sportsmen. They have a routine, but it, it becomes a way of being able to, to block out external pressures. And the higher you go, the greater the external pressure is. You know, the external pressure in first grade cricket is you wanting to perform. State cricket, you know, there's a little bit of press and there's money and different things. International cricket, every single person in Australia has an opinion of your performance on a daily basis. So that, that pressure increases and to be able to absorb that, you've got to find a way of just creating that that bubble needs to be much more impenetrable so that it's not a needle, it's a shotgun doesn't get through it. So interestingly, I found, you know, I became, uh, became probably more obsessed around those kind of things than than I would have liked knowing what I knew on the other side around what we've already talked about. Like that, that routine was part of that a for me. And I became really obsessed with it because it was how I dealt with, uh, all those external pressures that were, that were really forcing down on you. Um, Did you find that in reflection that that was your way of controlling what you could control? Yeah. Yeah. I think absolutely. That was, that was the sole purpose of doing it. I think whether you're in business, whether you're in on the athletic field, but priming 
is one of the one of the greatest tools that we have, whether it's a morning prime or whether it is, as you said, a, a ball by ball prime, that you taking back some of that control of the uncontrollable. If you have well, got that, that, that's what we're fear. we're fearful of not being able to understand what's what's coming. And so to control that fear you gotta create some certainty and there's something that you can do to make it more certain and you know, you, you want a piece of that <laughs> under under pressure. It's one of my big takeaways from our conversation so far is is priming, and I think how, of how important that is for for people out there if they are wanting to perform at a higher level than they're at. Is that some of these things that you're offering are little golden nuggets that uh, that I think people can start to implement immediately. I wanted to ask because you you mentioned, and I hope you're okay with me going in this in this area, but you mentioned that it got real dark, the darkness, and I wondered whether or not in that those dark moments that the reliance on that control was not there so therefore did you dig a lot deeper into the self and if it was into the self what did you find mm. yeah i think like there's probably only two there are two as i said there are two times that come to mind where i probably dip below that normal healthy disappointment mode for you know, more than half a day, let's say, that it was kind of my usual pattern was deep disappointment, but let's pick myself back up and go again. And even if it failed the next time, I'd still, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get back to neutral and then dip back again. So I might have had a few dips, but it never dipped into this kind of red flag territory, apart from twice. One was actually chronicled in a, in a book, so people can read about it and they'll, they'll probably think, wow, this guy is part suicidal I wasn't um on reflection I, I think I was probably semi-depressed um and that was based around me having the reflection like what what are you doing with your life you are giving so much time of energy physical and mental every single day and yet you are not cracking the code you have you are not getting better you could be doing a whole range of other things with your life. You've chosen this and you suck at it. Um, you know, f- feel free to kind of give something back to to yourself if, uh, you know, you, you've made this choice and, and, a, and it's a wrong one. You, you know, I was living in Tasmania. I'd moved away from home. I'd kind of, you know, like it was, it just wasn't going to plan. You, you script things and this this was off script. This was completely off piste and there was an avalanche coming down the, the mountain. Um so, but it, it wasn't, the duration wasn't months. It was like 10 days of, of, of deep reflection and darkness as to, and like anything, it's like once you're at, not rock bottom, but I was, I was just generally pretty, pretty dark. It's like, okay, well, you become that person that just wants to solve the dark you know i don't know I, I think people have certain propensities to slip even further i don't and so i'm lucky in that sense i think because you know the, the two slips i had i i managed to drag myself out semi quickly in the scheme of things you know like 10 days or two weeks and and i was back on track um but a, a lot of that came down to gratitude around non the thing you know the triggers that were making me unhappy which were namely cricket okay well what are the things that i am happy about you know once i had a bit of self-talk and uh, you know like come on mate pull yourself out of this 
that that's kind of what what dragged me back into into a good place do you feel like that you just needed to give yourself a bit of an ass kicking or was it yeah, was it a I bit so. more gentle I, I, th- I think that's what I, I think it was a combination of a bit of a reality check you get a bit precious at times around your own performance as though it's the be all and end all in the world because that's your world that's what you're dedicating your time to and your mental effort to but when when you kind of zoom out a little bit and and get in that helicopter and and take a view rather than being in the trenches then you can get a bit more perspective and, and as soon as that perspective kicked in that that as i said that's probably what started to flip my thinking and i was i was fine again i've advocated for this for a long period of time but it seems that the darkness crept in because there was an expectation that wasn't being met mm. And then yep. on the opposite end of that spectrum is appreciation, which is the mother or father of gratitude. And once you've basically gone to the other end of that spectrum and I started to appreciate what you have, what you can do, et cetera, et cetera, that gratitude kicks in. And the only high vibration, I believe, is love, which gratitude leads to love. So you started being grateful for what you had. You started to love what you did again. You gained perspective. You know, you were able to take yourself out of first person and move into second, third, even fourth. And, you know, you've averted this existential quarter-life crisis. Yep. Great description. An incredible ability to do that on one's own. Did you have any supporters through that period? Any mentors, any guides? Uh, I'd, I'd always had people that I would always check in with, and I think that is that is important. But I'm, all, I'm also I've always been one to kind of have a few different sources of, of truth and then piece it together myself. I, I'd... I've never been one to have that sole focus of this person, everything they say is gospel and you have to, you know, I've always been, okay, let's let's collect the data, let's collect the facts and kind of piece it together in a objective way. And so there were always people I'd check in with and, and in those dark times, you know, the, to be honest, the, they, were, they were probably across it more than you and checking in on you rather than the other way around. Um, and, and, you know, true friends and mentors when you know you're not the one picking up the phone they're the ones who are who have that sixth sense that something might not be right and 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 that's when they tap into into their own um coaching so yeah I mean, that that is important but I, I am of the belief that and maybe this is me so it's not a blanket statement but i think people need to really control their own destiny good and bad and that in that is the same as if you can't drag yourself out of these spirals and you are constantly relying on other people you're never going to to be you know a master of that craft because you have to be your own best coach like you look at any hero's journey you are the the main character with supporting characters it's never here's my shit can someone fix this and you take the the roles and responsibilities of yours and give them to someone there are else. lots of people like that though <laughs> like you there are lots of people that when stuff goes wrong they expect other people to help them fix it which is fine people are always happy to help fix things once or twice but if it's the same problem emerging and they are constantly having to provide that fix it, it can become disempowering for those people yeah that's why it's important with any i believe with any coaching it's about the empowerment process we're not fixing problems or i'm not fixing anyone's issues it's i extract and empower and that's what i believe is the most powerful thing to do because ultimately like you said if you can do things on your own based on the skills that you have 
you're going to be more able to master your craft or master yourself, you know? In terms of fears too, man, because you, you mentioned a fear of failure. Is that something that you still hold or is that something that moving into to point B, point C, you've mastered that art of failure recovery? Yeah, so I think I've mastered the art of failure recovery. I don't think it affects me anymore, but I think a great moment in my personal development was understanding that everyone suffers from fear and it's how they handle it. And and the example I give on the outside of the Australian cricket team, you just you see Ricky Ponting, you see Brad Haddon, you see Michael Clark. They walk out the door, they go and stroke two hundred, everyone gives them a standing ovation and they're a national hero. When you're inside the change room, you see what happens before they walk out the door. You see that they're throwing up in the toilet with nerves, that they can't sit still, that they don't shut up, they're fearful, they're having moments of panic and anxiety and all these different elements, but they've learnt to flick the switch and walk out the door and turn it on. And as soon as I realise that the apps are we're talking about the best of generations... You know, at, at the absolute pointy end of performance, they suffer from the same fears, but what they do do, and this was the realisation, that they have a mechanism of dealing with that fear and turning that fear into a positive to motivate performance. And so as soon as I realised that my fear wasn't a negative, that it wasn't um, unnatural, that it, that it was something that could actually be harnessed, that was incredibly powerful, and so I, I never, I never really feared that fear of failure. When you're not in a good place, you do. But generally speaking, we're talking over thousands of examples. You know, I, you could overcome fear to to go and perform, and, and often that was a, a motivating factor. So, how did you flick your switch? How did you learn to flick the switch? Understanding my routine, understanding what worked for me, understanding um, to be able to be flexible in that routine as well. But, you know, having those basics, knowing, you know, like, so it's easy to say, oh, you know, you got to believe in yourself. Well, what are you believing in? What is your process that you know works? And that's where, you know, like, it's kind of circular because the diary was massive in me uncovering what works for me. I could say on this day, here are the things that I did mentally, physically, and I got a hundred. Okay, well, let's repeat that next. Oh, look, there's a common pattern that's emerging. So how can I, you know, what am I believing in? Well, I'm believing in my process. My process might have 10 different spokes. It's not one. And I can tap into different spokes and that's experience. You learn, you learn those different spokes over over the years you know different conditions different bowlers different situations that's that just comes through time and so you know that the more that that happened the the greater the belief and it, and it would kind of the wheel would would gather speed and and that's how you build confidence you touched on a really fine point in terms of the brain being a pattern recognition machine so the more you can create patterns that work for it the more it will want to do them again the way that you get to that next level, when we talked about we're going up the grade, it's find a pattern, find a rec- the pattern that works, use it, and then no matter what the external, whether it be you know eighty thousand at the MCG, or whether it's eighteen at Sydney Uni One, either way the pattern works. 
and you know it works, so you have confidence. And and basically, as an athlete, as a dancer, as whatever, we're trying to grow confidence so that we can step up and feel like we have control over an uncontrollable. And the best way to grow confidence, as we know, is past experience and, and reflecting on that. And your diary, this is kind of where I'm just tapping back into, the diary was an element of confidence for you. Was there ever a time where you lost it? It, it was a safety blanket, for sure. Like I, if there were times if, if I'd forgotten it wasn't in my bag, it was like a kid not having his teddy bear. It was like this awkward sense of, of security had been removed. And I like, I could, I could deal with it, but it, were, it was like that moment of, oh God, where, where, where's my teddy? In those moments when you, you couldn't rely on it. It's up here. You know, like the, at that moment, it was, a, it was a five second thought. And then I'd be like, mate, you, you got this. It's, it's in the mind. There's nothing, you know, I, I would often grab at that point in time, I'd just go and grab a scrap piece of paper and then, you know, or a newspaper or whatever and just write down the three things that were really key for my success. And that was usually the same three things that I'd written for the last 50 days and I'd stick it in my pocket and walk out to bat. That to me highlights the, the self-awareness that you had around both yourself and your craft in order to step forth. You knew that, you know, if, if shit did hit the fan or if I forgot something or something wasn't quite right, you said you had those one of those 10 spokes which you could then maneuver your way into. Absolutely. Like, yeah, there's that pattern recognition, but it's understanding there are a whole heap of different patterns for you for success. And so plan one is, is probably the core of what you do. And then there are slight variations off that. Unreal. Unreal. Just going to quickly touch on something that's a bit left field here. When you were handed the gear from when you fielded for Australia, when you did the 12th man, you actually handed it back and said that when I've earned this, then I'll take hold of it. Is this correct? Yeah, that's fact. Oh, it just doesn't even, like a few people have asked this and it just, it doesn't register that that isn't the thing that you, that you wouldn't do. I don't know. Like my, my mind is like, if, if your goal is, to do one thing and in that first instance it was played for New South Wales and the second it was played for Australia and you are you know the symbols of that achievement are a hat crazy really but it is that symbol of it why why would I why would I cut corners and say you know what I'll take a hat because I hadn't uh, there, there'd been no achievement there, there had been some achievement I was like 85% of the way there I was one person outside the team so maybe I was 95% of the way to that achievement but how I had motivated myself was that was that was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and I wasn't going to cheat myself having come so far on that journey to say oh close enough you know what close enough was good enough 12th man's good enough I was like no, stuff that. 12th, 12th man isn't good enough. I want to be the guy who's number one. So you can have the hat, and if I never get to touch it, that's on me. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep working my ass off to make sure that next week you present me that hat and I, and I know full well that it's mine for all the right reasons. Man, I love that. Okay, anyone who knows me well knows how excited I get over a lot of things. And one of those being a glorious cup of coffee. One of my favourites, Kingdom Coffee. Why? Well, one, the beans are a dream. And two, Kingdom Coffee is relationship coffee, meaning that it aims to give back profits to people in need. Currently, they're supporting Surf Aid Australia, Compassion, 
and a ministry out of Zimbabwe that helps accommodate and love abandoned babies before attempting to reunite them with their family. What an absolutely incredible opportunity to partner with people who support the less fortunate, both on a personal and professional level. Now, roasted weekly in small batches using ethically sourced coffee with complete transparency from farmer to cup. So, what better way to enjoy your coffee than knowing every sip of that golden syrup is helping someone in need? And, as the MapLife family, you'll receive an enjoyable 15% off your orders by using MapLife, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, 15 at checkout. So, visit Kingdom Coffee, that's K-I-N-G-D-O-M, coffee.com.au, and get your hands on the beans that give back. Touching into that international space in terms of performance, in terms of the enjoyment of it, can you give us a bit of an insight into what it's like to, as you said, literally be at the top of the pyramid, hmm. stepping out and and achieving a dream that it wasn't you had quite at the top. There were there were people a few higher, few higher places up the rung. Um, uh, what, what I mean by that, and I don't want to interrupt you, but as as a kid, our dream would have been open the batting for Australia. You got presented a hat by Dean Jones to say, this is your chance to open the batting for Australia. That's the goal achieved. You're at the top of the mountain, flags down. And then what happens from there is the X opens up again into an explosion of what's the possibilities. Yeah, you know? so that, that, that's exactly, you beat me to the punchline. That, that's exactly, it, do, it does feel like a great sense of achievement. And maybe I, I, just, I felt like I was probably only 40 or 50% of the way through that next phase, you know, that, that next generation and iteration of, right, great sense of achievement. What What is, the, you know, I'm on top of the mountain. Can I get to the moon? Um, what I loved about it, and I'm, I'm, I do miss and I did miss when I got dropped, was there's no greater test. You, you This is it. That you're not, you're not trying to make another team. You're not trying to, you know, do anything from a personal point of view. It is, aside from you, you get to test yourself against the absolute best in the world on a weekly basis, and you see where you you measure up. And that measurement of am I good enough against him on today, in these conditions, was like invigoration like anything that's amazing there's always some shade on the other side of the coin the shade of that was being hypersensitive around this kind of you know incredible exposure that you're getting is the personal pressure if it doesn't work out which invariably in cricket it doesn't the sense that you are not living what you have always wanted you know like so it, it, everything was compounded to the nth degree so where i felt like i dealt with it really well at other levels it was just a, a massive step up in terms of in terms of pressure um and it took a while to kind of get into the swing like if you and and also because of the the nature of of cricket these days it's like you'd have three or four tests in four weeks so it was like deep pressure for four weeks it was like being submerged underwater at 10 meters and then you had to come up for air for four weeks and you'd kind of it would take four weeks to normalize yourself and then you'd go back down for four weeks on another test tour and you'd be deep and you know under that significant burden and then you'd have to come you know where 
state cricket was just like, okay, week in, week out for six months. There was no, there was a nice rhythm to it where the the depth of the pressure in, in test cricket, these intense bursts was, was really different to deal with. That's so interesting. I mean, when you talked about the peak of the mountain, when you talked about owning that hat just then, you, you know, you sat up in your chair and did the chest, you, you could sort of see the moment where you were like, there was a lot of personal pride with that and I'm really stoked that you got to feel that and that you can still feel that on a visceral level. And I think that's one of the gifts that, that people who achieve their goals are gifted for the rest of their life, that they put the work in, but they also got to where they wanted to get to. Now, in saying that, when you achieve those feelings, when you get that sense of feeling, is there anything, let me preface this with having scored hundreds, having won close matches myself, I've found it really hard to find something in life that matches that exhilaration on a visceral level. Don't mm. mean on a meaningful or purposeful level no, because yeah, I believe yeah. I'm on a greater purpose and meaning now, but on a visceral level. So A, have you found anything that has come close to that? And B, how have you dealt with then with that transition from that one peak of the mountain to the next mountain that you decided to climb, whether it be with tripod or whether it be with the investment? When I was thinking about retiring, uh, the year before I actually did Stuart McGill, I was, I was, I was saying to him, thinking about pulling the pin, mate. He was like, mate, you will never, ever, ever have the same feeling of exhilaration as you do on a weekly basis. You need to realize that. So you'd be stupid, you know, you're playing well, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I ended up playing another year and, and love, loved it. I didn't regret playing another year at all. But on reflection, now having and I still play a bit of club cricket, which is which is great fun. There's nothing that can replace that exhilaration. The key to to my own personal happiness is not trying to replace that, because I think so many sportsmen get in this cycle of thinking I need to replace that in my life to be happy, and nothing could ever come close. Why, why would I try and I'd rather hang on to the memory of achievement than try and recreate the excitement of playing in front of 90,000 people on Boxing Day because if, 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 that, if, if I'm permanently chasing that I'm going to be a very unhappy person for the rest of my life so like that, use that as, as a basic kind of template of where my head's at um, because I, I think a lot of sportsmen get in trouble trying to chase that next as you say, deeply visceral kind of excitement. That is not to say that achievement or any other achievement cannot provide huge joy for my life. And so trying to match that passion for other aspects is the next challenge. And there's no way in my life do I want cricket to be the most significant thing I do. It might not match that pure invigoration but that's not to say that i can't find deep meaning and excitement in in other aspects so when when i'm taught i'm just trying to give you some context to the my mental framework for transition out of sport because i think this is where people really get unstuck is like that they automatically think that they're going to just move into and find their next passion well, the bad news is that that doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm of the belief that 
you go back to zero. You've got all these amazing skills, but where people get into trouble is, I've got all these amazing skills. I should be a seven out of 10 at doing something completely randomly different that I might be interested in and want to build a career in. In mine, it's, you know, currently, you know, entrepreneurship and investing. Realistically, I've got all these great skills, but I'm on the experience front, I'm a zero in, in the actual skills that I'm trying to build. And so if that's my mentality, if I'm then on, I'm at the bottom of a completely different mountain, I've got to climb that mountain again. You don't get to parachute from the top of one mountain and land halfway up the other. And so it, it really, it, I really think athletes specifically, and there are, you know, other people, you know, whether it's other performers, if they feel like they, you know, have the right to land halfway up the other mountain, they're only going to be disappointed. Your skills that you've you've learnt from climbing the other mountain mean that you can climb the second mountain quicker, but you still start from base camp. You don't you, you don't get to, to start halfway up. Um, and if you re- as the sooner you realise that, the more in tune you are with that next mountain. And I know you know I'm kind of using this analogy, but it it kind of makes perfect sense to me that. When people fear, and it's, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's just pure ego. It's like, well, I was great at this, and so I'm going to be great at that, and you need to recognize that I'm going to be great at that. And the other people on the other side are saying, hang on, mate, you've got no experience in in what you're now doing. You know, sure, you've got all these other life skills, and we want to support you because we know that you're going to, you are going to be great, but you're not now. And so... You know, you need to have that mentality of, of really reverting back to nothing, and and that is hard. Uh, wow, that's the first time I've described it as such. So it was quite enlightening for me to just solidify my thoughts on the spot. Actually, in terms of, that's how I've thought, but I haven't really had the analogy in my head. So it was nice to kind of articulate it. So thank you. No, thank you, mate. I, and and I say that because it affirms I've, I've literally built my business around the way you articulated that in terms of mountains, in terms of climbing. You know, the Mandela quote where you get to the top of one mountain, you realize there's a whole range full of mountains you still want to climb. You know, mm. life is about that constant persistence. And a lot of times athletes and performers get to the bottom of the next mountain having to reclimb again and understanding how much hard work that is going to take to get back to the top. And they have that another crisis point in that low in that valley of shadows as to whether I want to do it all over again, whether I want to test myself. You know, as you said, the ego starts to chip away at the shoulder. And a lot of the time you find a lot of guys relying on drugs or alcohol to fill the yep. void or, or to find that exhilaration point again. And it's eye-opening, but it's absolute clockwork, whether it's someone who is like yourself, has the self-awareness to move from one to the other and believe in themselves and their process that they are going to achieve the goals that they've set for themselves again or whether it's for the people who stumble and fall and then have to pick themselves back up again it's inevitable that these are the feelings that you're going to have to address and i think your processes and your priming that you've done throughout your career has allowed you to transition in a very inspiring way and as i said from from someone who's watching from the outside in terms of like not being emotionally attached to your decisions i just love watching the things that you do and the fact that 
that you don't have the fear of failure of stepping into those entrepreneurial spaces or whether it be into the family space or being a partner or a great husband or a fantastic dad. I've got the feeling that you're stepping forth into those with a full heart and your alignment on this is something I want to do and I have the deep-seated belief that I can do that and I have my support network around me that's going to help me do that. Let's do it. Yeah, I think that's, that's a bloody good summary. Is there anything that you'd like to summarize or send out to the audience? I deeply believe in the power of education and I deeply believe that we have never lived in a time where educating yourself could be easier. And by education, I don't mean going to university. For some people, it might mean that. But the amount of podcasts, the amount of material that you can consume on two times speed, like if, if you are interested in being a better person who is more informed, who uh, is in a better position to improve their own life in any interest that they so desire. We live in a, an age where it's never been easier. And so that, apart, apart from the things I've talked about, I, I just don't understand. There, there's no reason not to be enlightened. What I was about to say, there is no excuse. If you want something, everything is out there for you to take it. Absolutely. To go and get it. Absolutely. There is, no, there is no longer a barrier to entry. And I believe that that's why it's super important to prime, to process, to routine, to have your support network, to have those champions behind you. But looking in the mirror, that's the number one champion. You've got to champion yourself. And yeah. by doing that is through in that empowering process of education, whether it's life education or whether it's craft education. I agree. It has been inspiring to watch you know, as a father, as a partner, as, a, as an athlete, as an entrepreneur. Mate, keep on doing what you do. As I said, I... Um, I love it. I love it. Thanks, Simo. The feeling's mutual. Thanks for having me. That was, uh, I know part of the purpose and mission of this is not just to enlighten others. It's for the guests to to feel kind of cathartic at the end. And and that's that's how I feel. So thanks for having me. Well, what a privilege and a pleasure it is to always spend time with Eddie. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you coming on and appreciate what you've given the guests in today's cast. If you want to follow along with what Eddie has got going on, you can catch him on Twitter, at Eddie Cowan, that's E-D-D-I-E-C-O-W-A-N, or you can head across to tripodcoffee.com.au. And as I said, they're Australia's most sustainable Nespresso-compatible coffee pods, 100% compostable and biodegradable. Now, how good is that? You've got to get behind companies that support and sustain the environment. One of my huge passions. So, so stoked to get behind that for you, Eddie. Thanks again, mate. And until next week, focus on the process and the result will take care of itself. Just to finish off, a wee reminder about the subscribe and review of the Map Life podcast. As you can understand, it helps with getting the word, getting the podcast out to more people where we can help them improve their purpose, their meaning, their fulfillment in their life. And for doing that, you'll automatically go into the draw for the amazing prize pack that we're putting together with all of our sponsors for season one. Now, you've got to be in it to win it. So as we said, subscribe, review, head over to the Map Life Instagram. That's at M-A-P-P underscore L-I-F-E. 
Find the posts and tag your mates for extra entries into the prize pack draw. Today's episode was produced by Motivation and Performance Partners. Mindset and Performance Coaching, building better athletes, artists, and leaders. If you believe you're capable of more, come check us out. www.maplife.com.